Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. I want to talk to you today about what matters. Say with me, what matters? I think 2020 has revealed the things that we have taken for granted. Can we be honest about that? So many things that we just honestly like, man, it's just good to have my kids in school. Parents said amen. Being able to go out in public, man, go shopping. Come on, Zara shut down in our mall. I'm like, first world problems. Stressing, man. And so many things have happened this year in 2020. And uh, I believe that we've taken a lot of things for granted. And my prayer is today is to share with you, if you want to know why you should pay attention, the next 30 minutes, I want to talk to you about the four things that matter in life. The four things that matter in life. They matter to the Christian church. They matter in Christianity. And whether you're atheist, agnostic, Hindu, Buddhist, Muslim, I'm going to be really honest with you. These are the four things that I don't care who I've talked to, what language you speak, what neighborhood you grew up in, how nice your house is, how great of a job you have, how loved you are, how followed you are. I'm telling you right now that as a human being, we have four things in common that God made us to live with four significant pillars. Are you ready to go? Who wants to know what they are today? All right, if you got your Bible today, let's look at them through the book of Acts, chapter 2. This is right after Peter preaches a phenomenal message. It says that he, he keeps talking. Verse 40, it says in chapter 2, with many other words, Peter testified and exhorted them. Someone say many. Long-winded preachers have been around since the beginning. With many other words, he testified to them, exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. The word perverse is the word crooked, warped, or twisted. It means wicked. How many believe we're living in a pretty wicked time? You ever notice that 2020 is revealed like most, so much of the world is living without common sense? Anybody amazed that we're calling bad things good and good things bad? I'm like, what has happened in America? But it goes on, it says, be saved from this crooked generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, which we're going to do today, by the way. If you've never been baptized, today is the day to get baptized. Yeah. Amen. And it, uh, it says this, that 3,000 were added that day, 3,000, which is interesting because back then, Josephus says there was only 6,000 Pharisees in Palestine. So on one day, half the population of the religious Pharisee community was added. Keep going. It says this, and uh, they, were, they continued. Say with me, continued. They, the early believers continued in four things. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. These are church words. Fellowship, which I love that Christians use that word like it's normal. And none of your friends that don't go to church have any idea what you're talking about. Hey, brother, do you want to come fellowship today? They're like, what does that mean, right? I'll explain. Fellowship uh, that continued in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, in breaking of bread, which translates in the Greek language as Chick-fil-A. Hey, Christian chicken, come on. And uh, breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, many wonders, many, not some, but many wonders, signs, miracles were done through the apostles. Now all believed were together and they had all things in common. They sold actually possessions and goods and they actually divided it among all as anyone had need. 
So continuing daily with one accord and a civic. I'm kidding. That's a joke's getting old. Uh, in one accord in the temple and breaking of bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord, I love this, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. This is our history. And I believe that our history can be our future. God's done it once. He can do it again. If you believe it, come on, say amen. I want to talk to you today about what matters. Let's pray. God, I just thank you for uh, your sweet presence that fills this tent and fills our living rooms every week as we tune in. I thank you there's something about honoring you, something about giving our hearts to you, giving you honor and worship and adoring you that lights up the lights of our soul. I ask you today, Holy Spirit, that you would meet us where we are. If we're in doubt, if we're in bitterness, if we're in unforgiveness, if we're in an unhealthy place, if we're addicted today, if we're broken today, or maybe we're in a really awesome place, God, would you meet us where we are? And would you lead us, Holy Spirit, into where you want us to be? We love you, Lord. We pray to have an awesome God December. In Jesus' name, and everybody said a good old-fashioned. You ever notice that so much of life is hurrying? It's four honest people in Orange County. You better say amen. I drive with some of you people. You guys are always in a hurry. I saved one guy's life the other day as he was getting ready to drive into a cement embankment. He was on the phone, not on his hand, uh, not on his handless phone. He was on a phone, and I saved his life, and he thanked me with a pinky wave. I saved your life. He gave me this. We're in a hurry, man. I just found, since I was little, I found that human beings are bent. Pro, there's a proclivity as, as human beings as always rushing the current season. I remember being a little kid, going to elementary school, first couple days, right, of kindergarten, first grade, second grade. I got to, like, fifth grade, and I'm like, I'm over this place. I'm tired of going to school with five-year-olds. I'm ready for this land of giants called junior high. I have outgrown the elementary campus, the elementary principles of education. I am ready for higher learning. So I went to junior high, and first day of seventh grade, I was the smallest kid on the campus, right? The giant eighth graders were there, and I'm looking around, intimidated. Spent about 365 days there, and then, then I went into eighth grade. I'm like, you know what? I'm over this place. I have outgrown the junior high. I'm ready to go where the grown-ups are called high school. And I remember I was so excited about high school, got to high school my first day. It was in ninth grade. All these people were older than me. People were driving to lunch. Whoa! Some adults around here. They had it figured out, right? These 17-year-olds had life figured out. So I started looking around like, man, one day I'm going to be old like them and wise like them. And then about three years goes by. I'm a junior, senior in high school. I'm like, I am over this place. I'm ready to go, come on, somewhere like college. I'm moving out of my mama's house. I'm getting out. I am ready for freedom. I am tired of curfews. I'm living my own life. So I moved out of the house. Start going to college, and what happens? I'm like, I miss home. I miss my mom doing my laundry, cooking for me. I am sick of Top Ramen. 
Never forget, you know, you get to college and you're, you start getting through your college. I'm just so, I'm done with, I want to graduate and get a job that I can afford to pay off my student loans. So you graduate, you get a job, you pay off your loans. You're like, I need a woman. I am tired of being single. So you get married, right? And you're like, man, I'm so tired of being married and living in an apartment. We need a house. So you live in Orange County, so you save up for 35 years. <laughs> Buy a house at 70. You finally buy a house, and you're like, man, we need some kids. Put them in the rooms. We're not going to, man, I'm tired of not having kids. We need kids. So you have kids. And you're like, man, we got to get these kids to school. We need some freedom. We need some alone time. So your kids start going to school, and you're like, man, we got to get these kids out of school. We got to get them to college. Your kids go to college. You're like, man, we got to get these kids married. We got to get them off our payroll. So your kids get married. You're like, man, we got to get these kids to have kids so we have grandbabies. Tired of, come on. The only reason I didn't kill these kids is because better kids were coming. Grandkids. You're like, man, I can't wait. I am so tired of working. I can't wait to retire. I want to golf every day. You finally get to the point that you retire, you start golfing every day. And it is amazing that if we're not careful, we're in such a rush. Remember talking to my grandma towards the end of her life, and she said, Mark, it's true that many of the seasons you're in a hurry to get out of, when you get older, you wish you could go back to. Say with me, what matters? I have found that it doesn't matter what neighborhood you live in, the color of your skin, how you vote. We are all wired four similar ways that life does not take on meaning and significance until we have these four pillars laid out in our lives. I'm telling you right now, 2020, I don't think it's made necessarily everything worse. I think it's, it's, it's revealed the condition that was already there. And I want you to know today, I believe there's four pillars that the early church modeled for us as believers, as the church, that still work today. Are you ready to write these down? And I believe whether you're discouraged, you're depressed, you're anxious, you're worried, you're addicted. Maybe some of you here today, you're like, I don't know, man. I feel like I should be happy, but I'm not. I remember sitting down with a guy. He lives in a, lives one of the nice areas in one of the beach cities over here. He's got crazy garage. He's got this beautiful, crazy expensive house. He's like, man, I should be happy, but there's something missing. The great scholar and theologian Jim Carrey said, I wish everybody could get rich so they could discover it doesn't make you happy. I actually think in some ways it's worse to become wealthy if you don't know God because at least if you're poor, you can believe the lie that if you had more money, you'd be happy. What happens when you get everything you've ever wanted in life and you're still empty? Are you with me today? What matters? What matters? I believe the first thing that the early church teaches us is it says they continued which I want you to know that I believe these four things are almost like a bike rim, like a, like a tire, like a cylinder that's broken into four compartments. And if all four are rolling at the same time, your life will have momentum. Are you ready to go? First chamber I want to talk about today is uh, they continued steadfastly. They continued steadfastly. 
which I want you to write this down, that, that consistency is better than brilliance. There is a lot of people, man, that start well. They can start projects. They can start relationships. They can start a marriage, start a company. But about two years, two months into it, they quit. I'm telling you that people remember how you start, but they also remember how you finish. There's something powerful about consistency. What did the early church consistently do? Number one, it says this, that they, the first thing that they did, which I, I believe creates momentum in life and significance and meaning, what matters is living a life of believing. It says that these guys continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Doctrine is a fancy word for teaching. The apostles were the leaders of the church. Let's say it plainly. They believed in God's word. They had an appetite for the Bible. And I believe that every one of you in here is a, is a theologian. Did you know that? A theologian is someone that, is, that, that studies a relationship with God. Theology is the belief of man's relationship with God. All of you are theologians. Some of you are just very poor theologians. Because you don't think much about God. The truth is some of you think you'll never die. Some of you are young today and you're like, oh man, I'm, I don't even think about getting old. And you don't when you're younger, but how many of I've talked to older people. I'm getting there myself. I'm turning 37 next week. I look 36, but I'm turning 37. And uh, the older I get, the more I realize I'm like, my gosh, like no one's getting off of this rock of life. Last time I checked, mortality rate hovers right around 100%. I'm slow this morning. And I want you to know that there's something about believing. Did you know that you were wired to believe? Some are like, well, I don't believe in God. Well, you believe in something. And usually you can tell what, how big the God is you, you worship or you believe in by what you're scared of in life. Our fears oftentimes reveal the size of our God. And I'll tell you, the bigger your God gets, the smaller your fears become. Some of you are scared of a bad doctor's report because you think this is the only life you're going to live. I'm telling you that when you get eternity in your heart, you no longer get worried about, about the, the current uh, ups and flows of life. You see, faith is not believing in spite of evidence. It's obeying in spite of consequence. I'll say it again for the back. Is that all right? Faith is not believing in spite of evidence. Faith is believing in spite of consequence. My God reveals what I'm scared or not scared of. And you might not worship Jesus, friend. You worship partying. You might worship living in the moment. I have friends that partied in junior high, partied in high school, partied in college. They're in their 30s, still living like they're in high school today. And I'll tell you, you'll be chasing that mirage of fulfillment the rest of your life. Your body will be worn out. You look like you're 70 years old when you're 35. I'm telling you that you were not made to spend your life living from one weekend to the next. We were made to honor and live for God. And you choose what you worship, but I promise you all of you worship something. You might worship the stock market. You might worship sports center. You might worship what's going on in real estate. You might worship your checking. Are you hearing me today? Some of you worship your family. I have learned that if you ever use the phrase, I will not be happy until I have blank. If that blank is not Jesus, you have made an idol. Some of you say, I'm not going to be happy until I get pregnant. You have made a child a God. I'm not going to be happy until I get married. You have made marriage a God. 
I'm not going to be happy until I have a million dollars in the bank. You've made money. Are you hearing me today? God is the author of fulfillment. Hey, man. And I want you to know that some of you are like, what am I missing in my life? You are made to believe in God. And that's why you get so stressed out when your life's out of control. You ever notice that life has a good way of leading you to cul-de-sacs? That you have two choices? You can freak out, throw your hands in the air and go, ah. Or you can say, God, I trust you. And God has this way of leading us to these cul-de-sacs pretty often. I can't do what I used to do. My career is over. My job, retire. I'm not able to do what I used to do physically or mentally or emotionally. God has a way of leading us to these intersections that we have to choose to live a life of belief. God, I believe in you, not just in spite of evidence, but in spite of consequence. Are you with me today? Some of you don't know the joy of living life with God because you don't believe in him. That's why you're scared of everything and every, I'll tell you, you, you tell people that, that are, are not putting God in his rightful place because they're scared of everything. I don't want to leave my house. I don't want to, I don't want to be around. I, I'm, I'm fearful of that. I'm fearful of people. I'm fearful of crowds. I'm fearful of sickness. I'm fearful of the economy. I'm scared of what's going to happen politically. I'm worried about everything. And I'll tell you, the size of your God reveals the size of your fears. And the size of your fears reveals the size of your God. I want you to, I'm not sure who's going to, I'm not sure what's going to happen in the next 12 months, three months, but I do know this, as long as I keep God on the throne, we're going to be all right. We're going to, 14 people in the tent believe it today. I was made to believe. I was made to honor God's word. Some of you don't like reading, that's good news is that Bible has an audio app now that you can actually download it and it'll hit play and it'll start talking back to you. It'll read, read the verses to you. Not only is there believing, I believe the second reason why people are vacant is they actually, they don't know the joy of belonging. I need people in Orange County that have two of these things going, three of these things going. But I'll tell you that life takes on momentum and significance when you get all four of these going at the same time. I'm living a life of belief in God. But secondly, I'm not just living a life of belief. It says that they actually continued steadfastly in fellowship. I know we don't use that word very often anymore, but it's the Greek word koinonia. It means to do life together. It actually means togetherness. It means that the church is a family to be a part of. Are you hearing me today? And we have so many floaters in America. They think that Jesus is coming back for a sidewalk prophet. I want you to know that Jesus is not coming back for Rambo Christians. Well, I don't like the church. The church is flawed. It's hypocritical. It's mean. It's judgmental. Is it? Yes. Why? Because you and I go to it. Well, I'm not a hypocrite. You're a hypocrite. No, you're a hypocrite. I see your post every January, how you're going to go to the gym nine days a week. You're going to work out 16 hours a day, and you're going to turn, come on, your six-pack. You're going to find your six-pack again. I still have a six-pack. My cans are now turned sideways. Come on. We're all hypocrites sometimes. We've all done things that we said we don't want to do. And if you didn't acknowledge that, you just lied. I'm telling you right now, yeah, the church isn't perfect. And people are waiting for a perfect church. Well, I'm going to wait till the church is perfect and everybody is like up to par and no one ever does anything wrong. And I agree with 100% of everything that is ever said or done. 
And if they see everything the way that I see it, then I'll think about putting down roots. But until then, I'm just going to bless Orange County. And I'm going to float from one church to the other church. And I'm going to be a church hopping fairy. And I'm just going to put a little bit of my anointing on this house and sprinkle some of the grace on them. And I'm just going to, I'm just a blesser of the body of Christ. We have so many ministries in Orange County that have no homes. Jesus is not coming. Listen, I love parachurch organizations, but he's coming back for his bride. He's coming back for the church. And I'm telling you, if you build a parachurch organization, you still need to have a church home. It's getting quiet up in here. Well, it's just me and the Lord. If it was just you and the Lord, why is there this thing called the ecclesia? Why was there 120 in an upper room? Why do they meet synagogue to synagogue and house to house? Because there is a need for both. And I meet so many Christians in Orange County. Like, yeah, I love the Lord. I go to a Bible study. I just don't really like go to a church. I go to different churches and I just kind of. <laughs> annoying myself today. Um, I just meet so many floaters. It says in Hebrews 10, 25, let us not neglect our meeting together. As some people do. He says, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of Jesus' return is drawing near. I find that many people are missing a vital part of life, which is belonging to the family of God. I'm telling you right now, there's a story of a young guy named Eutychus in the book of Acts. And it says that he fell. He's a young man, and he fell out of the window of a three-story church meeting. Luckily, he landed on his head. He died. But somebody saw him fall out of the window, and they said, Paul, Eutychus, which his name literally means lucky. Don't tell me the Bible isn't funny. They're like, hey, lucky just fell out of the window and died. He's on the ground. He's not lucky anymore. Lucky's on the cement dead. Paul goes down three flights of stairs. He falls on him, and he says, he's not dead. There's still life in him. Brings them back from the dead. They walk up to the church meeting. They start eating again. What, what do we know is that Eutychus never would have came back from the dead if someone didn't notice that he fell out of the church. You know what my fear is? I believe all of us make stupid decisions sometimes. All of us go through challenging seasons of life. Our kids are going crazy. Our marriage is struggling. Our business is going haywire. And we need a family that goes, hey, Mark, Rochelle, man, Philip, Tracy, Joe, man, whoever it is, man, they're going through a tough season. We need to rally around them. I remember my wife, on both of our, our pregnancies, she was on bed rest with both girls. My wife spent six months, three months for both pregnancies on strict bed rest. I say she was on bed rest, but we were both on bed rest. I gained more weight than she did. Come on, somebody. Our church rallied around us. You know, they brought meals for my wife and I, these delicious gourmet meals every single night for three months. There was an army of people from our church say, hey, can I, bring, can I bring food to you Thursday night? Hey, we'll do dinner for you Friday. Hey, can we pick up your kids from school? Can we pick up Kenzie from school? They rallied around us. You know what's funny? Usually the people that want the most from the church, the, like come to me and say, hey, Pastor Mark, we need you to help me out in this area. Usually the people that ask for the most help from the pastor are the ones least involved in small groups. Because when you're part of small groups, that group of people you do life with, 
They're like, oh, Normans, you're going through a tough time. We're going to rally behind you. Man, Paul, Lisa, they're in my small group. We're going to rally behind them right now. When you're part of groups that are intimate, you belong to them, but you come on Sundays and you worship with everybody. That's when you know the joy of Koinonia. Are you with me? And I'm telling you right now, if you wait for a perfect church to get plugged in, you'll wait the rest of your life. I don't believe there's a perfect church, but I do believe there's a church that's perfect for you. And you'll say, you know what? This church is perfect for my family right now. It's perfect for my marriage right now. I'm going to put some roots down. If you believe it, come on. Can I get a good amen? I feel like something's coming together. I'm believing again. I'm going to put down some roots. I don't care if it's this church. Find a church. Get planted. And if you can leave your church and no one notices that you're gone, you're not planted yet. I didn't go for six months. No one even called me. It's because you weren't connected enough. You know what it says? If any among you are sick, let him call for the elders of the church and let, let the elders pray over him. You know what's interesting about that verse? It doesn't say that it's church leadership's job to find the sick sheep. It says it's the sick sheep's job to go, hey, I need help right now. Another message. Believing. I believe the second pillar of momentum is belonging. And I'm telling you that when you start believing in God, you start belonging to his church, community, doing life with people that love God as much as you do, you will become like who you hang with. And if your closest friends are getting high as a kite every week, and they're talking, they, they, listening to them talk is like, like verbal nastiness, and, and that, that, that doubt, that cynicism, that pessimism, that godlessness, that will, listen, that will rub off on you. I believe everybody should have friends that don't know Jesus. But I do believe that your closest friends should love God like you do. Because you'll become like your closest friends. It's getting quiet up in this Presbyterian church. Not only are we going to be belongers and believers, I believe that many people miss out on the, on the, on the joy of thirdly becoming. Now, it's getting quiet here for a second. I understand that. No one likes this idea of being challenged to go higher. But I believe that Christianity is one of those things that our goal is to become like the Lord that saved us. Our goal is to let the Holy Spirit give us the appetite of our God. You know, it says the Holy Spirit's two major jobs, his two favorite things to do, is the Holy Spirit loves to point humanity to Jesus. You ever notice the Trinity is like, they like fangirl to each other? The Holy Spirit's like, oh, you got to meet Jesus, he's the best. She's like, oh, you got to meet the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He's the best. No, they're like, you're the best. No, no, you're the best. Oh, I love you. <laughs> the Trinity, the Holy Spirit loves to point people to Jesus. Some of you right now, you feel like I'm talking directly to you, and it's God. It's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. You know that you have a lot of great things in your life, but you know that you don't have the Holy Spirit inside of you. You know that you are not living your life with God and for him. And you realize, man, I could chase the mirage that I'm chasing right now for the rest of my life and die empty. Wow. Live a life that doesn't really matter in the light of eternity. I want you to know today that the Holy Spirit is revealing Jesus today. That's the first thing that he does. But the second thing the Holy Spirit loves to do, you know what he loves? He loves to put Jesus' appetite inside of you. That's why religion, religion's an outside job. Religion, you, you want to know if you're going to a, a religious church as opposed to a Christian vibrant church? Religion is always trying to, to create behavior modification by rules and regulations. Hey, you can come here, but you got to stop smoking, drinking, everything else you do. 
you got to stop getting tattoos and piercing and listening to secular music and going to movies and dances. And you got to wear either no makeup or too much makeup, which is pretty much the extremes of both, come on, spirit-filled churches. There's some, some charismatic churches that wear no makeup, and there's some that wear way too much makeup. Can I get an amen? Tough crowd. I want you to know that uh, I really feel strong on this is that the, the Holy Spirit wants us to become like Jesus. And religion tries to tell you what to do, what you can't do, and it tries to change you. You know what Jesus does? His spirit comes into you, and it begins to change your appetite. Are you with me today? It'll change your, he'll change your appetite. And when he does, it's so powerful because the Holy Spirit, it says that he loves to do three things, four things. 2 Timothy 1.7 says he loves to remove fear. It says that the Holy Spirit has not given you a spirit of fear. Some of you have so much fear in your life right now. You know what fear leaves? When the Holy Spirit comes in. I don't fear death. I don't fear eternity. I don't understand it fully because it blows my mind. The Bible says that we don't understand eternity with our heads, but God has put eternity in our hearts. The Holy Spirit removes fear. He gives you power, love, and a sound mind. This is what the Holy Spirit does. Can I just let you know that a church that encourages you to stay where you're at is a church that I'm scared to go to. It's like hiring a trainer that's like, hey, man, I'll hire you to train me, but my only request is, is I stay the same. I mean, I'll come weekly, but I just need you. I don't want you to push me so hard that I'm like, you know, be uncomfortable. Why are you laughing? In church, they were like, I don't know if I like that church. They, they kind of, it kind of makes me feel uncomfortable sometimes. It's funny, man, when God starts showing up in the tent, it's always people that are running from God, they'll start making excuses. I got to go to the bathroom right now. I got I to gotta, I gotta leave early today. I, I think I, I can feel God knocking on the door of my heart. I don't know if I'm ready to do business with God yet. Got to go. You know what's crazy is when the Holy Spirit shows up, he'll start, start changing your heart from the inside out. I'm tired, man. I'm tired of living low. Tired of thinking low. Tired of being addicted to things that aren't godly. Tired of speaking in a way that doesn't honor him. I'm tired of living in a way that's contradictory to what I tell my friends I believe. I'll be honest, but Christianity is full of a lot of fire insurance Christians. We want to go to heaven, but we want to go to heaven smelling like the filth of the earth. I don't want to just have this faith. It's like, why well, I'm going to heaven one day. Quite frankly, man, what, what scares me as a pastor is not letting people know that there is a higher way. Yeah, Jesus is a friend that sticks closer than a brother, but he's also the Lord of humanity. He's a God that be loved, but yeah, he's also a God that you respected. You read through the Bible, man. It's pretty direct. A lot of churches are like dentists that actually they're good at they're good at numbing their clients, but not good at dealing with their cavities. I want you to know that grace will give you the numbness, but truth will get the cavity out of your soul. And I'm scared today, man, because you listen to so many Christian messages today in churches, and it's like, man, you read just the, the red letters of Jesus, and you listen to messages at churches, and they don't always line up very well. Jesus is conflicting. He's, he's telling people, turn from your darkness to me. And we had a church today, they're like, oh, yeah, no, it's fine. Keep living dysfunctional. 
Yeah, the grace will cover. You'll go to heaven one day. He's good. It's, I think some people are going to wake up like, oh my gosh. Jesus said, the parable says, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not pray for people in your name? Did we not do great exploits in your name? He's like, I didn't know you. That's a real scripture to believers. And I'm, I'm worried that we, we go to a church sometimes, we go to church and we don't, let, we don't let the Holy Spirit make us become like Jesus. I'm just gonna stay dysfunctional. Listen to me, friends. My goal is to go to a church that every once in a while I have disagreements with God with. Can I ask you a question? When was the last time you disagreed with God and you did what he wanted anyways? One Christian in the room. If you don't ever disagree with God, it could be because you're sitting in a seat. We're always in unity. No, you're not. He wants me to be nice to people when I'm like, nah. I'm telling you that, that we're going to become like him in this church. Oceans is a church that we're going to be believers, belongers, and we're going to be becomers. Are you with me today? Can I get an amen to that? Give God a quick hand clap. You want to become like him. I give you permission to disrupt my weird thoughts, my unhealthy beliefs. I believe that spiritual maturity is when you get old enough to realize that maybe your parents and your grandparents and the pastors you had growing up, not everything that they said was right. Sometimes we believe these things that are totally con contradictory to God's word. We're gonna be becomers and fourthly, are you with me? We're gonna be builders. It says that they continued steadfastly in prayer. You know what builds the church? Praying people. You know what builds your family? Come on, a praying wife, a praying husband, some praying kids. I'll tell you, you might be the first Christian in your family. You start praying for your mom and dad. You might be the first Christian in your family, woman, and you're start praying for your husband, praying for your, your children. I'm telling you, the Bible says that, that the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman, it avails much. We will be a building church because we're a prayerful church. Some of you come into this place, I don't know, man, this guy starts talking and they start singing and I feel something. That's not me, it's not them, it's the presence of a praying church. My wife delivered this immaculate message yesterday. It was so profound, so powerful. I was sitting back there and the moment she started praying, tears filled my eyes because I could feel his presence. I could feel the overflow of my wife's prayer times. I could feel it. People go, man, I don't know why, but you start praying and I can feel God's presence. It's because the only time, I, it's because when I pray with you, that's not the only time I pray. I heard my, my wife praying, I hear her usually all week, our house is small. I hear her prayer, she does not know how to whisper prayer, she's like full volume prayer. She started praying yesterday and the breath of God was behind her because she's been talking to God about it all week. Feel it, all month. We're gonna be builders, how do we build? Well, we build through prayer. And I'll tell you what happens when you start praying. The sequentially happened, right? It says they prayed. It said great reverence and honor came into the church. You know why there's not a very many miracles these days in the church? Because there's no honor or respect for God. That's just Mark. That's just Ocean's Church. It's just some church service. We're going to be here for an hour and 10 minutes, hour and a half, then we're going to leave. 
where there's a lack of honor, there's always a lack of miracles. This is, this is God's house. Cancer can be healed today. Come on, diabetes can be healed today. Yeah, yeah. Autoimmune disease can be healed today. His power is here. He, this is the God that does anything. Everything is possible to our God. That's what happens. We start praying. Honor and reverence comes in. And when it comes in, you know what happens? Is people start expecting and they start attempting. I want you to write that down. We will be a community that expects great things and attempts great things. I would quite frankly rather believe and try and fail than to not try and succeed at doing nothing. We're going to be a church that expects and attempts great things for God. You see, the early church attempted great things for God. There was always things happening in the early church. There was unity after they prayed. There was generosity after they prayed. And there was worship. And when they began to worship, it said that people got happy. It says that they were all glad. There was a gladness that came over to the church. It's the word happy. You know where my joy comes from? It's not who sits in the White House. You know where my joy comes from? It's not how much money I have in my 401k. It's not how good my wife and I's relationship is. It's not how amazing my kids are and how great they're doing in school or how awesome we are at sports or how gifted I am at this or that. My joy comes. It comes from my time with God when I worship Him. I shared a story last service. I got, I got a minute left, two minutes left. I, I shared a story about a family uh, a story I heard about a family that had a brooch. You know, is that what they're called, brooches? Never owned a brooch. But this family had a brooch that was in their generations, right? So great-grandma owned it, grandma owned it. It was the brooch that, you know, all the grandkids would put on when they're home, and they'd come over to grandma's house, and they would put the brooch on. It was like a decorative piece of jewelry. And they'd lose it for six months at a time. It'd reappear. They'd start playing with it again, and Grandma would wear it every once in a while and kind of sat in Grandma's jewelry box. One day, the daughter inherited it, and she, uh, she's like, you know, I should probably take this brooch in. It's been in the family for years. And just kind of have someone look at it that's like a, a gem, gemologist, I think is what they're called. And so they went into this little jewelry store, and the guy got the little deal in his eye. You know what I'm talking about? A little, like, magnifying deal. So they go in, he get, she gives him the brooch, and he starts looking at it. And he's like getting more and more engaged in this brooch. He starts almost hyperventilating. He's like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. No, no, no way, no way. And his thing drops out of his eye. He sits back in his chair. He was almost like knocked, like the wind almost came out of his lungs. And he realized in that moment that not only is this brooch genuine, it was priceless. He, he couldn't even talk fast enough. He goes, lady, this, this doesn't even exist. This, this type of craftsmanship has been lost. He goes, with modern technology, we could not recreate how they built this thing, number one. And number two, every stone in this brooch is 100% real. It is more valuable, lady, than all of the jewelry in my store now and all the jewelry that's ever been in my store or will be in my store. It is priceless. And this lady goes, oh my gosh, she starts hyperventilating. 
she realized in that moment that her entire future is altered. She realized that for her entire life, she has had something that's actually should have changed the condition of her life. But she just discovered it in that moment because she discovered the value of the brooch. I want you to write this down. Worship, it comes from the word worth-ship. It means the value of. And when you begin to worship God, some of you are like, why do you sing in church? Because you start declaring how much God is worth to you. And when you discover that he is the richness of the earth, that he is better than gold, he's better than silver, he's better than oil and electricity. Are you hearing me? He is the greatest natural resource in the world. And when you declare his worth, what happens is, is it starts to change the value of your life. You start realizing, oh my gosh, my joy has been below the level of my worthyship. My future is gonna be altered by his worthyship. That's what worship is. I want you to stand to your feet. I feel his presence in this tent. As we close today, whether you're online or in person, can I ask you a question today? Are you living for what matters? Because I'll tell you right now, if you're not believing, something's missing. If you're not belonging, something's missing. If you're not giving God permission to challenge you to become like Him, something's missing. And if you're not building, say with me, building. I believe that you do not exist to just build your dream house, to buy your favorite cars, and to go on your favorite vacations every year. All good things, all good things. You're alive to give glory to God. You're alive to build his kingdom. I'm telling you, your job gets interesting when you go, God, would you bless me so I can be a blessing to the people around me? Would you help me excel financially so I can fund your kingdom? Orange County, listen, we're gonna fund, we're gonna fund God's kingdom. This church will be responsible for many other churches succeeding because we're so blessed. Are you with me today? We're builders. I don't know about you, man, at the end of the year, I want to look at my checking account and go, God, I invested more money into the kingdom than I did to Target. I invested more money into the kingdom than I did Starbucks. I'm going to invest not just my money, but my time. Talk to my friend, he's a professional guitar player. He's like, I'm going to start using my gift for God. Let's give God, come on, our very best. Let's build his kingdom. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.